0: Good morning, Calvary Satterton, and good morning, Calvary Quakertown. It's good to have you with us this morning. It really is my pleasure to introduce our speaker today. You know, every once in a while, as a seminary prof, you, you kind of meet a student that has real intellectual abilities, but beside that also has um, public abilities, people skills. But it's rare that you find somebody that has that those two things And is passionate about people that need uh, a whole lot of things in life. Well, I discovered one person does have all those things in Gabe Wang Herrera. Uh, Gabe and I have known each other for a number of years now. I met Gabe as a a student at the seminary. And Gabe is one of our urban partners. Uh, Gabe pastors by Grace Alone Church in the Frankfurt section of Philadelphia. Uh, So maybe he can tell you a little bit about that. But it is really our privilege as a church and my privilege as one of your pastors to be able to work with people like Gabe. Gabe, thanks for being with us.
1: Thank you, thank you. I just don't have a lot of time, so stop. Um, Now, thank you so much for inviting me here once again. I've I've spoken here before. Um, Pastor Zimmerman uh, challenged me at that time and said you had 17.5 minutes to speak, uh, which is a rarity for someone of my um, um, verboseness. Um, But now I actually have more time, so I'm grateful for that. I just want to welcome the, uh, of course, Southerton campus, but also Quaker Town campus. Good to see you guys there. Actually, I can't see you, but good to know that you're there. Um, But uh, again, thank you for inviting me. I think the challenge that we bring today, I bring today, is is really a challenge for not just you all, but for me. Um, For those who don't know me, again, my name is Gabriel Wangadena, like Pastor Z, or Dr. Z, as I call him. um, he, He told you I am the lead servant pastor of By Grace Alone Church. It's a church in the Frankfurt area of Philadelphia. You all are welcome to come. If you do, let me know ahead of time because then we have to break open a lot more chairs. Um, and um, BGA is really doing well. Um, we, we've been in, in the Frankfurt area for 12 years now and just ministering there. And God is on the move, using us to connect with neighbors and and people in the community, both in the Frankfurt and the Northwood area of Philadelphia, if you know anything about um, that area of Philadelphia. And one exciting way that God has been on the move with me and my church recently, and something I've been practicing with my congregation, um, is something that I, I like to call a rhythm of rest. Um, a rhythm of rest. And so today we're going to be talking about finding our rhythm of rest, and I think that's, that's ultimately important in our Christian walk um, it actually began when I, I took a sabbatical um, this, this past uh, January, and a sabbatical is just basically a time away for, for pastors, time away for, from the church, and, um, and it lasted three months until March of this year. And it was a wonderful three months where, where I and my family, we were able to go and visit different churches and find, and, and again, the theme of that was finding a rhythm of rest for myself and, and in, in a really hectic environment um, and we, we're, we're in a very transient neighborhood where we have to have our hands wide open, where people come into our lives, uh, but then easily they can leave, either because um, something bad happened or, or even sometimes something good happens and then they, they decide to move on. We challenge people that it, whether something bad or good happens, stay. Stay in the community, stay with us, come, walk together with us, and let's, uh, let's transform this community with the power of the gospel together. Um, but it, it becomes an emotional toll when you see numbers of people move on, um, and so we, we needed that break. And, um, and so I visited a lot of different churches in the area and took that time to also do that. My, my girls who were raised in the church, again, 12 years in, um, in, in that, the church, my youngest is 12 years old, so she knew nothing except By Grace Alone. And so it was, a, it was a great thing for me to kind of bring her to different parts of the body of Christ elsewhere, whether in the Philly metro area or even beyond. And we, one of the churches we went to was a church, church called New Life Church in Queens, New York. Uh, Pete, Pete Scazzaro was the pastor there at one time. And, um, and so it was a great time there. And, and, and in, in going, visiting that church, I had known about them for, for quite some time and read a couple of books of Pete's. And, and um, they were on this journey. They are on this journey of emotional healthy spirituality and so so trying to 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 glean from their findings and their 20 25 years of of really walking in a rhythm of rest is another way of saying it and so so i I got a lot from them um so i want to share some of that with you today uh but for the summer time as as you all know your your theme is get busy living right that's your theme this uh this summer and I think it's a great theme, but I submit to you today that you can't truly live, and you can't truly um, know life or get busy living the life God wants you to live unless you can find your rest in Him. And unless you can find your rest in Him in this often chaotic world. And today, today I want to talk about three ways that we can find our rhythm of rest in Him. Um, one way is get busy being silent. And that's, that's really key, and that's, that's a hard thing for us to do. The second is get busy saying no, and you, you kind of had a primer to that already a couple of weeks ago with Pastor, Pastor Z, uh, just giving you a, 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 a sermon about that, and then get busy resting, delighting, and contemplating. I uh, kind of did a three for one right there, but bear with me, we'll, we'll get through those. Uh, would you join me in a word of prayer as we begin our time? Let's, let's, let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for this this time. And Lord, this would just be a talk. This would just be words spoken um, out to a a large congregation without any power if it's not for you, if it's not for your Holy Spirit. So we ask your Holy Spirit to be with us, walk us through together uh, what it means to find a rhythm of rest in you, Lord. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. So the, the first point, get busy being silent. One of the most difficult Things to do at first um, is to simply sit and still and remain silent. Uh, Not to pray, not to praise God, whether either out loud or in your head, um, but to simply be still, to even close your eyes and to remain silent for a set amount of time. Uh, Just to kind of soak in the presence of God. That's a difficult thing in in our microwave, light, speed, busy culture. There is no room for silence because it's awkward. Right? It's awkward, it's, it's strange, it's foreign to some of us. We can't even wash dishes or, or, or cook or, or do any menial simple task without having something playing in the background. And it, it's very difficult for us to be silent, silent, and yet silence is a spiritual discipline that many of the saints who came before us practice. Many of our four. Parents who came before us, spiritual foreparents came before us, they practiced silence and solitude and it benefited their lives. So I I challenge you, can you be silent before God and simply sit at his feet, incline your ear to his voice? Can you do that on a daily basis? And it's a challenge. Uh, We have to realize that silence is a gift from God. And while there is no set way that the Word of God teaches us to practice silence in our lives, the reality is that you can do so, Jesus demonstrates and he sets a precedence for us, you can do so with people or you can do so on your own. And Jesus would oftentimes practice silence and solitude in his short ministry on earth, three and a half years on earth and more, more before he started his ministry. But yet we see the gospel writers talk about that. And you talk about someone who had the most important Task most important mission on this earth, and yet he took the time; he made time to be with the Father. And the implication is that as he prayed, he made time to be silent before the Father. And so, for example, very early in in his ministry, this is what Luke records uh, for us, and, and we'll look it up on, on the screen there. Luke chapter six, verse twelve. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying. To God, Jesus tended to pray and get away in silence and solitude before and after major events in his life. This, this is the time right before he chose his 12 disciples. He, he felt the need. He felt the desire. He felt the uh, uh, compelling need to, to come before the Father, to hear from his Father, and to pray. And then he chose the 12 disciples. Then there's one particular time in Jesus' ministry that all four Gospels recount. All four Gospels document this, this account, and they highlight different aspects of, of what happened. They highlight different aspects of the same event. And it's around the time when Jesus fed the 5,000, and it's, it's uh, the Mark passage. And let me give you some context with this. Um, so th- this, is, uh, this is the Gospel writer Mark, and, and basically right before this, this uh, passage, Jesus sent, sends out his 12 disciples, right? He sends them out two by two to go to different towns, and to do several things. And he sends them out to, to definitely teach repentance and, and preach the gospel, essentially. But then he also sends them out to cast out demons and to heal the sick. So, he, so they, they're doing all this. Then, then a little bit after that, so they're, they're sent off. Jesus finds out that his cousin, John the Baptist, is beheaded, assassinated, killed by King Herod, right? And so, you know, so, so there's this, this wonderful thing happening that Jesus sends out his 12. Then, then he, he gets his. Awful news. And then the 12 disciples, they come back, and there's a lot of buzz and a lot of excitement. And, and, and a lot of people come. Imagine, if you're out doing all this work, there's going to be a lot of uh, a buildup. And so people began to crowd around and come around Jesus. And that's how the, the 5,000 men, but there's more, right? There, there's women in there, children. So it's probably 15,000 maybe people. They started congregating, coming around Jesus and his 12 disciples. And so this is the time... Um, that that Mark relates, the apostles gathered around Jesus. They come back from their missionary journey, right? From from preaching and healing and and all this great stuff and reported to to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went by themselves in a boat to a solitary, solitary place. And so Jesus did not do what many of us pastors or many lay leaders or many people even would want to do. He didn't, he didn't um, um, keep the people there or, or, desi- or want to stay. He didn't feel the need to stay there with the people to keep fanning the flame of excitement in their lives. To keep giving them a new thing, a new word. Or anything. He, he said, no, It's now it's our time. We need to spend away from the people. And together we need to have silence, solitude. Together we need to come before the Father. So Jesus saw the, the ultimate need. Instead of, of, of being there and being with them, he saw the ultimate need of being with the Father. And then after he and his disciples served the 5,000 plus, this is what Matthew records. So they, so they, 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 they actually serve the 5,000. They, they feed them and all, all. And then Matthew chapter 14, 23 says, after he had dismissed the crowd. So after he had dismissed the crowd and after he had sent his 12 disciples on to the other side of the lake, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. And I would bet that if Jesus spent time alone on the mountainside praying to the Father, that some of that time, if not most of that time, was spent just soaking in the Father's presence, just getting recharged, right? After being with people so long, just getting recharged and being silent and resting in the Lord. So... Calvary Church, you know, I, I encourage you, get busy practicing being silent before the Lord. There's a precedent. Jesus gives us precedence for this. And it's one of the best ways that you will grow in your faith. So I want to do this. Um, this is something I practice in my, my own church. And I think we have time for this. Um, we usually do two minutes, sometimes longer. But I'm going to set the timer to one minute. And we're all just going to be silent. This is real, real quick instructions. This is not a time to pray. This is not a time to praise God. This is not a time to think about your laundry list of things to do afterwards. It's going to be very difficult, for, I would imagine, for some of us. But we're just going to spend one minute. It's going to feel like, feel like five hours, by the way. But one minute just to, just to rest in the Lord. And if your mind wanders, just say, Jesus, you are my rest. Just, just repeat that in your mind. Jesus, you are my rest. So let's do that right now. One minute. It. That's the one minute. It was difficult. It's difficult even for me now to, to practice silence because a lot of things come into mind. But the more we practice it, it's like a muscle. The, the, the more we'll get used to it and the more we'll feel God's presence and lead, have his leading in our lives. The, the other thing, finding our rhythm of rest is not just about being silent before God. But finding our rhythm, rhythm of rest is also about getting busy saying no. Getting busy saying no. Um, And really, what I mean by saying no is to stop, is to cease from doing certain things in your life at a certain regular time in your life. So so you got that? So it's ceasing to do something in your life at at a specific certain time in your life. God even demonstrates how much we need to stop in our lives through the world around us. Right? He gives us examples, many examples. For example, we have the Four Seasons. And the four seasons, is, as, you, as you might know, there's winter, and we'll, we'll show that up there. There's winter, and then there, and, and winter is a time of dormancy, a time of, of deadness, if you will, right? Time to stop everything, a lot of things stop. Um, and so it, it really is a time to die to ourselves. And then there's spring, which with is new life, right? So in these seasons, God shows us that there is a season for everything. In, in, in new life then comes the, the fulfillment of that life or the, the enjoyment of that life, which is where we are now, summertime, right? We're enjoying the fruit of our labors, right? And then the, the last, uh, and as the cycle continues is fall, where the cycle kind of begins again, where there's, there's a, a, a dying and, and a slow transition into newness. And there's a beauty in all of this. And God shows us through nature um, how we have to have limits that we need to stop. We need to have seasons of things in our lives. And so, uh, but, but there's other ways, too, that, that God shows us. And it, it's it, even in the fact that we have a day and a night, except for some parts of Alaska where they have 20, 23 hours of day, right? But they, there's, there's usually 12 hours of day, 12, 12 hours of night or so. And, and that, that's a natural rhythm in our life that shows us, that, that teaches us that we need to stop at a certain time, and we need to rest. Now, some of us don't, don't stop. Some of us keep that light on or keep, keep that iPad or I, iPhone in front of us, but we need, to, we need that rest, right? And God even designed our bodies. Our bodies are designed in such a way that we need rest. And so it's important to, to learn this, this art of saying no, of, say, of stopping. But on top of that, um, God shows um, a, a lot of our limits, and, and he shows us that we need to stop, and it's really a gift to stop. But God has also given us a tool. He he didn't just say, go stop or go say no. He's given us a tool to help us to stop and say no. In fact, um, he designed us in such a way that we need to stop in in regular intervals in our lives. And that tool that that helps us to do that is, is Sabbath. And I know your pastor, Dr. Z, talked about that. It is practicing the Sabbath. And there's a, a I mentioned uh, New Life Church and uh, Pete Scazzaro, and he says this. He says, um, um, Sabbath is not dependent upon our readiness to stop. We do not stop when we are finished. We do not stop when we, are, when we complete our phone calls. We do not stop when we finish our project. Or we don't stop after we answer all the unopened emails in our inbox. We don't stop after we, we get out this report that is due tomorrow. We stop because it is time to stop. Sabbath requires surrender. Sabbath requires surrender. And again, this stopping is really another way of saying no. When we, say, when we learn to say no, we learn to stop and really we are practicing a, a rhythm of setting limits In our lives. And and limits and boundaries are great for us. They 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 keep us healthy, right? They keep us going. And ultimate and the ultimate limit, the ultimate boundary, the ultimate form of saying no is really to practice a weekly Sabbath. And the way I practice it, I practice it a twenty-four hour Sabbath. And 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 that's that's working for me and that God is is using that to refresh me in my journey. It's a difficult thing though. It's a very difficult thing to just stop, especially when there's one more email I can send out, right? When there's one more phone call that I can make. And yet, God calls us to stop. But ultimately, again, as Pete Skizzero says, he says this we stop on Sabbath because God is on the throne. We stop on the Sabbath because God is on the throne, assuring us that the world will not fall apart if we cease our activities. Life on this side of of heaven is an unfinished symphony. We accomplish one goal, and then immediately we are confronted with new opportunities and challenges. But ultimately, we will die with countless unfinished projects and goals. That's okay. God is at work taking care of the universe. Could this be why God has the psalmists sing lines like this, right? Right? Psalm 37. Look at Psalm 37. Could this be why God has, has, has the psalmist sing lines like this? Do not fret because of those who are evil or envious or, 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 or who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Because the thing is, though, when, when we practice these things, when we practice saying no, when we practice being silent, um, we'll see that the world around us will look at us kind of cockeyed, right? Will look at us kind of like, what are you doing? And why, why aren't you still moving with me? And why aren't you still running with me, doing, doing, doing? And so, and, and the, like the green plants, they will soon die away. Trust, it says. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy his safe pasture. And what that says to me is kind of a rest. Rest in, in, in the pastures. Rest in God's uh, green, you know, a provision for you, right? Rest in God's will for you. And take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust, again, trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. And then it says, Be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. And again, you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to not rest. You're going to be tempted to not uh, uh, practice stopping or saying no because the world around you is not too good at practice stopping, at practicing stopping. And 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 you're going to see maybe that, that in your chaotic world and your, your chaotic circumstances, you're going to find that you won't have time to stop, or you think you won't have time to stop. Or maybe, maybe you're in, in, in a, uh, a situation where you see all those around you finding their, their, their way in this world, career, career move after career move, finding their, their vacations and, and wealth, and all that is, is great. It's abundant. It's fantastic if we use it in the right way. But if, if we just continue on seven days out of the week, 365 days a year, and that is our goal, that is not God's ultimate for our lives. Again, the, the psalmist says this, Psalm 46.10, he says, Be still and know that I am God. Again, in the midst of chaos and destruction around you, and even in the midst of overabundance and luxury and clear signs of wealth that can be distracting to you, God is st- saying, Be still. Whether you're going through a difficult time, God is saying, Be still, rest in me, stop. Know that I'm God. And whether, whether you're being distracted by things around you, God is saying, I am I am the thing, the center of your life. So again, the ultimate act of trust, the ultimate act of sacrifice, the ultimate form of no in our lives is stopping our rhythm, our regular rhythm, day-to-day hectic rhythm, and resting in the Lord. So really, when I I talk about finding uh, our rhythm... Nothing is new under the sun. Again, I'm I'm talking about learning to practice Sabbath in our lives, learning to make space in our lives, right? And literally, to Sabbath, it means to stop. It means to cease your routine. And when we stop our work or our routine, we are imitating God. Because God worked to form the universe in six days. Now, whether we we say it's literal days or figurative days, the the point is it's it's a set amount of time God used to form the universe. And then he says on the seventh day, another set amount of time, he rested. He stopped. Not so much because he needed it, but because we needed him to model it for us. And again, I see scriptures teaching and me, I'm practicing the twenty-four hour Sabbath, the full day, but but which day is not is not clear in scripture so much. Paul there's another sermon to, to discuss, but Paul talks a little bit about that. But what is clear is that the life rhythm that we're we'll called to practice is six days of work and one day of rest. But again, what that looks like for every person, whether you're a police officer, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a doctor, some people have to work on Sundays, right? Whatever that looks like for you. For me, it's Thursday to Friday, right? Because as a pastor, I, don't, I work on Sunday. Right? Um, but but so, so whatever that looks like for you and your family and your community, that is the rhythm that God is calling us to. And so Sabbath is meant to be an experiencing of God's rest, Sabbath is meant to be an experience of God's rest, a time of reflecting on God's provision and and His grace on our lives. It should be a joy. It shouldn't be, oh, I need to practice Sabbath. It should be, I want to, I enjoy. The Sabbath is coming up. I enjoy that rest, that stop, that moment of stop. It really is a point, again, of trust. Again, you will need to trust that the world will, will go on and will not screech to a halt on its axis because you have stopped and rested. Sabbath is a deliberate act of not doing and thus a deliberate act of receiving, which is difficult for many of us, including myself, to do. It's difficult for, just, for us to, just to receive, right? You know, um, I mentioned um, how, how the all four Gospels talked about the, the feeding of the 5,000, right? So we, talked to, we, we saw Luke, a passage in Luke, Mark, and, and Matthew. But then John also relates something about um, that time as well. And it's interesting, and I'm, I'm going to turn to it. Um, it's John chapter 6. It's not going to be up there. But John chapter 6. So basically, the, the people find out that um, that Jesus and his disciples have moved on, and then they get word that, that he's at a different location. They, they find him. They locate him there. And then they, they run up on him. And, um, and when they find him, they say, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered this in verse 26, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Then he says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. So That's kind of crazy, right? He says, do not, don't work for food that spoils, but work for food that the Son of Man will give to you. you don't eat, you're not even going to earn it. He's going to give it to you. And then he says, on him, God was uh, the Father has, pl- has placed his seal of approval. And then, when they, when they, then they, 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 after they asked him, they didn't get it, right? They're still on this work, work, work mentality. And so they say this. They say, um, what must we do to do the works that God requires? There's a lot of work in that sentence. What must we do to do the works that God requires? And you can almost feel Jesus saying, hi, hey, okay. Okay, let, let, let me explain to you. And, and he, here's what he says. He says, and you, you can almost feel him saying, come here, come closer. Let me, let me give you the secret. The work that God desires, and you listening? Come close. Is to believe on the one that he has sent. And that's not work, right? That, I can't do anything with that. I can't touch that. I can't make something happen with that. To, to just believe? In the one he has sent, which he's referring to himself. And that, that's part of, again, that's part of resting. That's part of Sabbathing. That's part of releasing and surrendering. That's saying, I'm not going to put my hands on it. I'm going to receive your gift to me. And so it, it, the reality is that, that you need to Sabbath because you were created for it. You need to rest. Find that rhythm of rest because you were created. And life will go on without you behind the wheel. It will. Sabbath. Keeping is all about surrendering. It's about trusting that God has a better plan, a better, better rhythm of life than I can ever come up with. So, so again, the, the call to Sabbath or the call to find your rhythm of rest is an intentional practice of taking a day of the week and doing this. So, again, so there's the, the next slide. Stop. Get busy stopping. And part of that is is that silence piece, right? Um, This is really, again, an act of trusting God and embracing your limits. The next is besides stopping, it's also finding a rhythm of rest requires you or or compels you to find also um, get busy resting. Exactly what that means. Replenishing yourself. Things that give you energy back. And and again, this is not a linear thing. This is not, okay, first do this, and then do this, and then this follows. No, it's an all-encompassing thing. It's a it's as you rest, as you Sabbath, as you find your rhythm of rest and, 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 and see how God leads you in that, you are stopping, you are resting. What, what that means reading a book, watching a movie, playing games with your family, doing things together. And then the next part, well, again, it's not linear, but the, the other aspect of it is get busy delighting right? Get busy eating chocolate because chocolate is great, right? Um, get busy just, just enjoying, again, enjoying each other. But, but you know, it's, it's also part of using the senses, using the senses that God has given to you. Yeah, you know, as you take a, a walk in nature, or you take a walk in the city and enjoy the city, you know, just it's important that, that you, you embrace all that God, the creation that God has given to you, but also embrace each other. Delight in each other. And then the, the so it's stop rest delight so and then get busy finally contemplating. And this this is important. Thinking about the love of God should always be the focus of our Sabbath. Thinking about the love of God should always be the focus of our rhythm of rest. How God loves you. Dwelling and lingering on our relationship with God is key. And we we should be and we should stay fascinated with how great our God is. As we read Scripture and as we pray, and that's part of, right, uh, spending time of rest, reading Scripture and praying, I I, I pray that it would direct you to see how awesome God is. So as, as we come to a close, God is calling you, church. Southerton and Quaker Town, God is calling you to a rhythm of rest that will be consistent in your life, especially as the summer comes to an end. A rhythm of rest that will be consistent as life gets busier for you in the months to come. And he has given you examples all around you. Right? We talked about nature being an example, you know, the seasons being an example, day and night being examples of, of how we should stop and rest. Um, to, and, and then, but he also gives you the tool of the actual Sabbath day to orient your life. And here's another good thought on the Sabbath. This is a great perspective by Pete Scazzaro. Let me put that up there. And um, Pete says this, Sabbath is like receiving the gift of a heavy snow day every week. Right? Stores are closed. Roads are impassable. Suddenly you have the gift of a day to do whatever you want. You don't have any obligations, pressures, or responsibilities. You have permission to play. I love that. Be with friends. Take a nap. Read a good book. Few of us would give ourselves no obligation day very often. God does. God loves us enough to do that every seventh day. As you figure out your own rhythm of rest in your life, know that the end goal must always be the pursuit of God. Just, just, That God will open you up and, and, and show himself to you on, on that day. Your relationship with God and with others are key as you explore what it means to stop. Again, what it means to be silent. That includes stopping. To rest, to delight, and to contemplate. I pray that you would find joy and experience the presence of the Lord. Even as the world around you continues on in its hectic breakneck pace. Would you stand with me and join me in a word of prayer as we end our service today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the God of rest. And you are the God that gives us rest. You're the God that gives us many great gifts. Shalom, joy, each other. Lord, we we have many great gifts from you. And Lord, you, you call us, Lord, and you, you've designed us in such a way, that God, that, that we are called to, we are uh, compelled to find that rhythm of rest for our own sanity, for the sanity of our, our families and our church and our extended families. God, would you put our hand to the plow in that way? Help us to do that work, that work of believing in what Christ has done in his finished work that work of receiving rest in you, that work of of just being silent, help us get busy being silent, get busy saying no, get busy resting, delighting, contemplating, Father, all so that you would receive glory and so we would find our rest in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you.